Hello everyone, welcome to The Lavender Menace. I'm one of your co-hosts, Renaissance Marie. I use they, she pronouns. I am a, a coffee addict. I'm still employed. Currently, at, at time of recording, only in double employment era, but soon to be re-entering triple, triple employment era. And soon to be dinner party co-host with my parents <laughs> and yeah that's it yeah hi <laughs> that's all i got <laughs> my name is sunny i am the other lavender menace podcast co-host i also use they she pronouns and i am very soon to be unemployed and back in st louis sunny back in st louis era so excited mm-hmm. and thrilled um so yeah that's what's going on today welcome back uh as usual we have our three-part podcast situation the first part in which we discuss a flaming hot take uh, submitted by you our listeners or and then um oh submitted to us via email or social media which today we'll be discussing a hot take that was in our twitter replies and then the second part of the podcast, as always, we discuss a piece of media we uh, consumed together over the week. And the third part of the podcast, as always, is us recommending media to each other. So, yeah. Yep. And uh, this episode, uh, like others in the past, is going to be recorded in parts. So right now we're just going to record um, the hot take and you guys will hear the end of the episode but this is kind of irrelevant to you the listener yeah. because by the time you're listening to this it'll all be together but in case there's any cuts yeah uh, the, the transition might not be as smooth and charming as we are known for exactly. our great segment transitions indeed um but to start this one off this is a hot take from one of our listeners at scissor clown display name phoebe scissors on twitter and they said if the Olympics and all professional sports were abolished, the world would be a much better place. Too much land is wasted on the facilities, too much violence is committed in the name of sports, and more kids could enjoy athletics without the pressure of, quote-unquote, going pro. Yeah. And thank you, at Scissor Clown, for thank your... Thank you for the hot take. We appreciate it. Yeah. Especially since the other one was Ice Cream is Overrated, which I just want to give a shout out to at lesbian underscore vulture as well. <laughs> they were the only two that replied to the tweet. Yeah. And, um, you know, maybe on a bonus episode, maybe on Patreon, we will talk about our opinions on ice cream. Of course. So, so anyways, yeah, but let's also, unpack the Olympics yeah. and professional sports. Indeed. Um, to be honest, I'm a little bit of a bimbo when it comes to sports. Like, I don't know anything about it, and I also don't care. Like, genuinely, the level to which I do not care about sports and, and athletics in general is, I think, the most... It's the most, like, stereotypically, like, girl thing about me, I guess. How much I genuinely can't care, you know? And I don't even care about the Olympics. Even as a kid, I didn't... I never like it just didn't look interesting or fun to me to even watch I mean I liked figure skating and gymnastics because there was an art to it and I danced for so much of my childhood um that like I was like interested in that because it was just like to me just like an elevated form of dancing but with everything else I was just kind of like not really impressed (laughs) 
like I don't know yeah yeah so. I think like I like I would never sit and watch the Olympics I think when like a record is broken or there's like the highlights reels uh-huh. or whatever or something where it's like condensed and you see someone like flip fucking like 12 times in the yeah. middle of the year or something I'm like oh that's pretty sick but yeah. like a, a body could do that but yeah. I'm not I'm not as I'm not a sports person never have been yeah. I don't even come from a sports family so yeah it's just but not, yeah. in terms of like you know this take I think like yeah because really at this point it's well okay there's a difference between the olympics and professional sports that's like essentially a section of entertainment like right. the nba or the nfl or the um major league baseball mm-hmm. mlb like those are like that's basically just like capitalism on yeah. sports yeah and not that the olympics isn't that but there's so many competitions and national competitions that lead up to qualifying for the Olympics mm-hmm. that, like, aren't a part of the entertainment yeah. sector. Yeah. In the way that, like... Uh, in the way that professional sports in the United States are, like, every year. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, like, have their own, like... Are seen as, like, a proxy of identity and have their yeah. own communities and rituals and stuff. Like, the Olympics yeah. doesn't really have that. Um, yeah. I mean, I think, like, sports culture and also sports in the way that it exists now like everything else like all other forms of entertainment media and just like like cultural things within society they're obviously amalgamations of and results of like patriarchy capitalism you know white supremacy etc and that's true for everything of course and i think like with sports specifically like similar to how within like the music industry or like movies or whatever there's like specific issues in relation to like everything from diversity to how people are cast and how the system works and like who has the money to control things like that also obviously is like even from my minimal understanding of how sports work it all like it seems to exist on this like structural level that ultimately like supersedes the the actual like athleticism itself the same way the entertainment industry at large like kind of rises beyond art itself and creating art and is itself in like a it's an industry the way that obviously professional sports and stuff is an industry and the way that so many industries do not deserve to exist because they are all because they're morally not okay like they're not morally salvageable Mm -hmm. i think like sports is just one example of the many ways that a lot of industries just like don't have any sort of moral right to exist because capitalism doesn't have a moral right to exist. Yeah, like, I don't wish for the abolition of professional sports in the Olympics to any particular degree that's beyond my desire for the abolition of capitalism and exploitation. Yeah. um, or, 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 you know, that's anything beyond, like, my belief in, like, land back policy and stuff like that in terms of like you know sustainably or you know properly taking care of the land and also just like the fact that there are football fields where football fields should not exist and there are golf courses in places where golf courses should not exist like that is more where my like disdain for for this particular structure lies because I just don't know enough about it 
to be like here are yeah. very specific like people and instances and like historical moments that right. are like this is why professional sports should not exist yeah like I mean um, like I well sorry what were you gonna say well I was just gonna say I think like one thing though is that or something that's really much more in perspective this Olympics than I think in any other point of like my childhood watching the Olympics is how young they are yeah. and how much pressure it is yeah. to have such a career at a young age I think especially yeah. for young girls and obviously there was the one um doctor who was assaulting yeah. um the Larry U.S. Nasser. gymnast yeah, yeah. And so that trial, and so there's like that level of danger and yeah. um, predatory nature of it. Yeah. And I think ha- like being so aware of your body and strength and your ability at a young age as a girl, and also being coached by grown adults, obviously yeah. that's gonna it's super damaging uh, like, on lots of yeah, levels. Yeah, and there's like certain power dynamics yeah. with that that I think are dangerous in the way that like child actors also yeah. have really questionable relationships yeah. with the adults that are supposed sure. to be looking after them yeah. and also like what it means to be someone's kid but also like the um financial yeah. provider for yeah. the family yeah so like in in that way i think the olympics and and stuff like that are not good but ultimately like those are products of systems that affect every it's not unique to it but like yeah it's not unique right like i mean it's you there are unique ways that oppression kind of and abuse and powers in structures like that manifest themselves specifically in sports like in terms of how Mm -hmm. nationality race gender like sex the idea like these things are essentialized within these systems and like are you know perpetuated on such like mega levels and like we can see that when like whenever something whenever something exists as like spectacle um under capitalism it is just another element of like that marxist like superstructure base concept right like where everything exists to reinforce and reinforce the base economic structure while also Mm. being a product of it you know like so and that's true for all like cultural things and but i also think like something that's specific to sports that isn't true for other industries that are also like exploitative um in terms of like performance and entertainment and stuff is that like because sports take up so much land and so many resources on like co- on you know schools and like k-12 through and college campuses and stuff like it goes beyond just oh people are just this is good for like team building and exercise and um what like you know the things that people naturally do sports for like people naturally do sports or are athletic because humans are meant to be active like people like to do things and it's we've mm-hmm. all as, like to move and yeah like human beings have always a way of like gathering community like yeah. if you're on you know like yeah. being with other people like it's always been like throughout the course of humanity it's always been a thing that builds community and strength and is also a necessary part of life and whatever like that's so true and, and it's true for like art too like making music and 
as in like community groups and making art and creating perform like all of that is so integral to the human experience that when it becomes a whole industry and that is so tied up with money and legacy and just like like abuse exploitation wealth like it all of it just it's not it's not good like it, there's no way that it can be good or pure or whatever and obviously mm -hmm. like with schools and stuff like sports drains so many resources and it also is like what allows get it's it's like the ticket of opportunity for so many people as well like which is it's such a double-edged sword where um where it's like being able to perform well allows you to like do better but when you can't like you're just punished for it and it, like there's such a limited amount of like people who can who are considered excellent or above others, right? Like that idea that some people are like worth more than others because of their skill set or, you know, like shit like that, which is really, t and it also obviously like sports culture itself is really, like it's really inherently, I think, misogynistic in the way that, like in the way that, like even from how, female or like women competitors are supposed to look versus like men to like how much money gets allocated and how much attention and cultural significance you know what i mean like obviously all these things are tied up together and stuff um and those are just some of the elements of it and like like things like golf or you know th or things that require like huge fields of space um that like really the only purpose, like, the only audience for people who play golf are, and, like, the history of it are, like, it's, like, rich white people who are, who just take up acres and acres and acres of land to mm -hmm. do a recreational sport that <laughs> also... We're talking about golf, like, in the, you, like, contemporary... Golf, yeah. I don't know like, how old this sport is. <laughs> like, yeah, like, sure like country that. club <laughs> golf, like, country yeah, club ass golf. Yeah, about... Yeah, like, that type yeah. of shit, like... It's like this sprawling stuff and it's like things that are like curated and like land that is taken and bought, not yeah. just like fucking knocking around a golf ball. Yeah, like because yeah, it's, it diff it's different. It's different. How old is golf? You can look. You you can keep talking. I'm gonna go on my own rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah, like I mean, because it's different. It's different when you're playing a fucking soccer game on a field right behind your house as opposed to the like the 600 acres of land that are taken up for oh, like professional sports or whatever uh-huh what well okay so this is just literally like the google if, uh -huh. if we have some like scottish person who's a golf historian who yeah. wants to correct us post but it says the modern game of golf was originated in the 15th century uh -huh. in scotland the 18-hole round was created at the old course at St. Andrews in 1764. Which I Which is, like, what's played in the U.S. But St. Mm -hmm. Andrews is, like, the really posh um, school. Yeah. yeah. So maybe it has always been a game for... For rich white rich, people. Yeah, for yeah. rich white people who who take, like, landlords and yeah. stuff like that. And it's also, like, it requires... I feel like golf itself, it's, like, you're not even moving around that much. You get on a golf cart to get in between places. Like, that's such a... I don't know. You're, like, wasting a lot of, like, petroleum or, you know, to for your fucking gas when you're supposed to... That's just weird to me. And, like, there's whole cultures around sports that are inherently super, 
elitist and like racist and classist obviously that is so well it takes so much money to yeah like have a gym have a coach the clothing required the shoes required if you like if it's not I mean, dance is obviously very expensive, but, like, yeah. things that, like, require additional equipment, like, yeah. things that aren't just moving your body. Exactly. You know? Yeah, there's, like, so um, much, there's so many, like, organizational levels to it that are so fundamentally distorted by how the world works and, like, how systems of oppression really, like, function. And, like, it's also super, I don't know, like, there's inherently, like, a lot of nationalistic and colonial sort of violence that comes with like sports teams and the rooting of one's country or whatever (laughs) like or oh yeah this was I think another thing that I was surprised wasn't attached to this take is like all of the meme memes or jokes or tiktoks that are like me when it's not the olympics like fuck america whatever like I hate this country and then like me when I see Simone Biles and it like yeah. the national anthem starts playing or yeah. something like that. Yeah, 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 stuff like that. Which, or like this, like yeah. I'm only patriotic during the Olympics or whatever yeah. or some shit like that, and yeah. I'm like, mm, or people who are this like, still is not enough for me to root for. Yeah, are people being like, being like, oh, I'm I'm embarrassed to be British after they lost the cup or whatever the fucking soccer game, and it's like oh, yeah. you should be embarrassed. People were fucking losing their minds. Yeah. You should be ashamed to be British year-round, all the time. Like, this is not... (laughs) You should not be embarrassed because you lost a fucking ball game. Exactly. And it's just... You know, one of those things where, like, things that are communal, Mm -hmm. such as sports, pose a different impact on society and how we relate to them than when it becomes an industry, like we are talking before. Same with, like how like marvel movies are yeah. not art <laughs> yeah. yeah and the actors that act in marvel movies yeah. are not doing it to heighten their craft it's yeah. because they're getting that marvel check yeah uh you know and not that i'm gonna stop anyone from making their bag like we're already in right. capitalism like you're gonna like, make whatever money yeah somehow um yeah but yeah. like it's not because you like believe in the storyline yeah or something but it's like also that. like like the same way that people who choose to quote unquote like go pro versus to people who just do it for fun or whatever it's like even if mm-hmm. you're just like even if you're just playing sports or acting or dancing or singing or modeling or whatever for fun like the way that the those really the, the power structures at play that what that is how professional how the professional like leagues and levels function it, it's so it's deeply integral to how you even play the sport or do the thing or perform the thing on an individual level and so like mm-hmm. if the only people who are seen as like dancers are all like really really skinny like and of course your studio is also going to replicate those standards probably you know like um and your your coaches and your like and it also creates such a like i feel like sports culture in the way that the same way that like academic culture ha- creates such a distortion of what it actually means to be in, be engaged with learning or to be engaged with or to be active like it creates these this such a false relationship between what is something that is so something that is so like 
pure to the human experience such as being active or learning like these are con- mm-hmm. th- these are things that should be constants in our lives not things that we measure our worth by or that how much money we make and our ability to survive is based off of you know like how well you can measure up to it ba- ba- how well you can compare to other people <laughs> like um in terms of academics or sports or, or or whatever that allows you to compete for the minimal spots allotted to you as the purveyor as being purveyed in the public eye or as like with the limited spots within in industry and the success that it allows and allocates to specific people at specific times like it's it's obviously like really fucked up and there's it's like very it's so extensive and systemic that you know like i think like abolishing the olympics or about like everything from like abolishing like frat houses or greek life to abolishing like (laughs) abolishing sports like what when people say that when people say like you want to abolish academia or you want to abolish the olympics or abolish like sports because of the way that those exact systems create material problems in people's lives like the, the way that the olympics bulldozes over homeless people's encampments and displaces people like literally in its in 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 its physical presence like for everything from that in 2016 when they were in rio Mm -hmm. they um like boarded up the so you couldn't see the Mm -hmm. um yeah I'm forgetting the word in Portuguese, but essentially the ghettos. Yeah. And, like, I mean, like, actual ghettos yeah. that dark-skinned and poor Brazilians are forced to live in. Um, yeah. Like, boarded them up and, like, pushed them out of, like, the yeah. rest of Rio so that all the people, the rich people and the people right. that were traveling to, like, see the Olympics f- physically literally could Couldn't not see. see them. Yeah. And it was, like, I think from, like, the airport, like, the airport in Rio to, like, where in the city was going to happen, I guess, like, over the already existing wall of the freeway, you could, Uh like, see... What are they called? Now that's bothering me, because they have a specific word. But I guess you could see those neighborhoods. And then they, like, boarded them up when the Olympics were happening. And, like, that's just, like, one... That's that's one specific material impact of the way that these larger systems work, the same way that, like, you know college students struggling with their mental health or dropping out because of school fees or whatever sorry like those that's that's just those are just a symptom of how academia at large works it's just a symptom of how sports under capitalism works to to just destroy Mm -hmm. communities and individuals people who participate and don't participate people who happen to be there or who who are just like trying to exist or people who are competitors like it's destructive on every level and so like none of these none of these things have any sort of moral right to exist and they all need to go because they're all tied to and also um the when the world cup i can't remember what city or state i can't or country i mean can't remember which country it was but what whatever country they were planning on hosting it next had a law where you couldn't sell alcohol to be consumed in public Mm. and the um i think it's fifa right fifa that does the world cup Mm -hmm. listen i'm not messing this shit up to be disrespectful when we said we don't know anything we don't know shit we literally don't know shit. yeah i do not know shit but anyways fifa 
was like trying to bribe the government to either change that law or like temporarily put it on hold because one of the uh-huh. uh sponsors obviously was like yeah. Budweiser like some beer company yeah. and like they needed people to get fucking hammered and they're like yeah. no so then they but like because of the tourism that comes with hosting FIFA the Olympics anything like that like they would like end up making a lot of money so it was mm-hmm. like do you take the bribe and make the tourism money but then like you're letting a private company change yeah your laws and government or you know like what influence does they have do they have but then again at the end of the day they're a corporation and a company just like how any yeah major corporation company uses money and actual capital to yeah. influence government, government that's how capitalism laws, works society democracy is yeah. a shell as a political shell for capitalism, as Lenin said. Uh, <laughs> like, yeah. And then fascism is when the corporation and the government become one and the same. And ultimately, like, that's what a lot of so and so free democracies, like, so called free democracies, kind of exist under, you know, like that you just live under the mm-hmm. rule of capital, um, which collides with and is one with the government, you know, like. And so this kind of brings, this just brings up the larger. Which, how is that not the United States? It is. That's that's what was right now. Yeah, it literally is. Like that's why this is a fascist country. There's it's a fascist police state. It's a, you know, and people like people. We're not exaggerating or lying when you when you talk about that. It's a, it's Mm -hmm. a it's a surveillance state. It's a police state. It's a fascist state. It and there's not one exaggeration. It fits all of those definitions. Like, cops get away with murdering people. Yeah, the government and companies are one and the same yeah like mm-hmm. there's cameras everywhere no, like it's true like like the, it's, the government has access to all of your private information and is able to track you in every element of your life companies have that too like it mm-hmm. we live in a dystopia of our own creation due to the like how capitalism creates itself also i have to go so we'll finish yeah. this, this, so this discussion later so basically for the take, yeah, it should be abolished. But the yeah, thing is, like everything Sunny and I else, are both, yeah, <laughs> and I are both sports bimbos. Right. So can we tell you why? Outside right. of just our hatred for capitalism, not, not really. really. <laughs> but, um, you know, keep keep that keep that energy. Exactly. You know? Okay, we'll see you. And with that, we will be back with we'll our back. next section. Okay. So everyone, say bye, Sunny. Bye. Bye. We are lagging on Zoom, so I'm sure syncing this audio is not going to be fun. Which is, again, why you guys should subscribe to our Patreon so that you can fund us to get one, microphones, and two, hopefully better recording material or be able to record on software that syncs for us. Um, So make sure to subscribe to our Patreon, The Love No Menace, on Patreon. Okay. So... We just Anyways, finished discussing so, our hot take about the Olympics and sports and how the issues that we have with them are not unique to those entities themselves, but rather just reflections of how culture and society works at large. Um, and now we are going to be talking about another kind of hyper-specific thing that replicates social systems at large. <laughs> and that is a movie that we just now finished together. It's 3 a.m. my time, midnight, Renaissance time. So that gives you a pretty good gauge for our mental state (laughs) Um, and the existence we're living right now.
<laughs> and yeah, tell, tell us about the movie we just watched, Renaissance. <laughs> oh my god, you're gonna pass this on to me when I've literally shaking, been shaking, shaking, crying, growing up. Um, so the movie's Kajillionaire came out in 2020. Yeah. Directed by Miranda July, who should be <laughs> imprisoned. I mean, we're all for prison abolition. Held at gunpoint. While the prisons are still here. Yeah, while the prisons are still here, I think Miranda should take a little yeah, maybe. Just for emotional trip, terrorism. Behind bars. Like. Cause what? <laughs> she also okay, wrote the so movie. Let me she just also wrote it. Down the so movie. she wrote and directed it. So all the Which weirdness like, no, that's what I just mean. came out of her mind. It was just like straight, like we just got a straight look at into yeah. whatever the fuck is going on up there. <laughs> like, bro. Yeah. So, oh my gosh. But anyways, it is about um, a family, two parents and an only child, who are essentially con artists. They're not exactly homeless, but the place that they live is not necessarily yeah. a home. Um, so uh, they, they like, rent what would be an office space, but they kind of, like, got this mm-hmm. cheap deal uh, to be able to live there in sleeping bags. And they have to deal with this, like, sanitation leak that happened to a certain number of days where this pink bubbly foam From leaks down. And into they have the fucking to, wall. Yeah, and they have to... yeah yeah scoop it up um but essentially they have like these series of small cons and thefts that they do to kind of like support their lifestyle such as like stealing from people mailboxes um, mailboxes and they also buy things or steal things and then try and return it for cash back in order to get they'll enter things that they maybe yeah they'll they'll enter in like online or like over the phone giveaways and stuff to get like win a free trip or yeah yeah. and various lotteries and everything that they do they can look at things and instantly determine like the refundable price for it or get um, like enter into things or get gift cards that they would then refund or ask yeah. for cash back. So this family like has a very card. particular, specific um, sort of lifestyle in terms of how they, how they manage to get by and how they manage to survive mm-hmm. under this neoliberal hellscape in which they don't like have like jobs. They just kind of scam full time and like they don't live well because of it. Um, and it creates a lot of really dysfunctional dynamics within their family as you might imagine and so throughout this movie we see as there is this incoming deadline of they need to pay like fifteen hundred dollars to their landlord because they're like three months behind on rent and um they go they win this like flight to new york city and they do this trick where you like get traveler's insurance so when you lose your luggage they'll give you like fifteen hundred eighty five dollars something like that um to because you know like they lost your fucking luggage so they like plan a heist around that and on that plane ride they run into this girl named Miranda who is another like young woman early 20s or sorry not Miranda Melanie Melanie um played by Gina Mm -hmm. Rodriguez (laughs) why did I fuck up her name so bad (laughs) wow it's (laughs) 
It's definitely yeah. 3 a.m. for Sunny. Is played by Gina Rodriguez. And I just, like, before we get into this, I'm not a fan yeah, of she's, Gina she's Rodriguez a as, a, as a person, as a public persona, as a, as a public personality. Not a fan. I'm definitely having a Scarlett Johansson and uh-huh. Jojo Rabbit moment where I want to hate the actress. But she's not that yeah. bad in the movie. And I really wanted her to be because there's a lot of memes from her from right. Jane the Virgin of her acting and like stuff like that. And I think partly is that the character wasn't. I don't want to say it wasn't difficult to play, but I think she's yeah. well cast, which helped her be good in the role. And also, she just. I just I I would never have expected like the way the the genre of this movie and like the style of it to be like oh yeah this is a yeah it's, it's kind of movie. yeah but she kind of like it's kind of like really how she played it. have you seen Annihilation I haven't seen it but it was mentioned in one of the yeah, Letterboxd reviews okay maybe one then. of the Letterboxd reviews like mentioned this but like the fact that Gina Rodriguez plays these fuck plays all these queer people <laughs> in these various movies and various genres yeah. is so funny to me like that's literally fucking hilarious and she doesn't radiate no she doesn't gay energy and like the way that like rachel vice playing gay characters it's like yeah rachel vice would play gay <laughs> characters like it's very like that makes sense for her but i did not get that energy yeah from, um, yeah gina rodriguez anyways we're getting off topic because of just how yeah (laughs) there's so many things to talk about jesus um so many things there's so much to talk about in terms of the story and the characters themselves but then also just like how miranda like like the creative decisions that are in the movie like separate Mm -hmm. from the plot are also so interesting Um, but yeah basically that's kind of what instigates where where do you, where do you, uh-huh. I I have I have like oh sorry I wanted I wanted oh. to oh sorry yeah because yeah, I was I was trying to explain like about. the sort of premise so they run yeah. into um what was her name Melissa or something Melanie girl Melanie the way Melanie. in my mind <laughs> you're fucking this up <laughs> in my mind she is Gina I'm like I think of her as fucking Gina <laughs> yeah no I like. As as good as I said that she is in the role, she definitely yeah. doesn't disappear. Yeah, that's like, an like, actress. Oh, like, that's an actress. <laughs> yeah. I feel like the other characters, though, yeah. they felt so, like, real. They felt like people just being filmed as opposed to actors, you know? And uh, so yeah. I thought that was interesting. But it's also because them, them as actors, like the parents and the kid and the 26-year-old... <laughs> I think of her as a kid, but anyway, mm-hmm. the the child, um, they, like they all. I mean, yeah. she essentially is yeah, that's, like that's, that's part, kind right, of right. also one of the plot points is that she's essentially a stunted. Yeah, because it's child like when you never get because because of yeah, the like when you never neglect. get to experience childhood in its reality, like you just continually live out childishness, and like we see that throughout the course of the movie, which I think is so poignant and like real and like that's the thing as much as this movie mm-hmm. is so bizarre and awkward at so many points there are so many elements of it that just ring so true and like i think the even though 
like Painful even though the specific situations that we find these characters in are so like out of left field because who else who on this earth has won a lottery ticket to for two tickets to new york city and then when you do that you do a heist to get fifteen hundred dollars but then when you're doing that you run into a girl on the plane who says she has a job but she's actually lying and then you run it like it's like so ultra specific but like that's the thing about i think like i was thinking about this just now like something that i really appreciate that art and media and storytelling can really do is when it like instead of going incredibly broad in general and making these general statements about humanity on like a on this large lens it's a like it, it makes those statements by going in so close by going in really deep and really and like it's really go like centering it on this tiny like microcosm of relationships and that is what reflects the larger the larger systems at play the the bigger things that are so universal like the situation is not universal but like the feelings are and like that's what that is what i most love about like media that feels relatable because it's like i don't have any of the identities or experiences or specific relationships any or anything found in this but yeah right at the Oh. No, yeah, what were you saying? Hold on. (laughs) I just, because right after we finished the movie, I was, like, looking up just to see, like, where the, where in, where specifically in her mind did she think of this? Um, And the first article that came up was by the um, Cinemaholic. And one of the questions is, is Kajillionaire based on a true story? And Miranda said, no, Kajillionaire is not based on a true story. And it's not partly autobiographical. It's all fictional. But I guess she said that... um, She added, this is a quote, At Sundance, a number of people came up and were like, This is so my family. And then they would describe something that was actually so unfamiliar to me. So I realized, okay, this is extreme enough that this family could be the unconscious of many different kinds of anxious families. Which I think really ties to what you're saying is that like, someone who had a very unfamiliar experience then to Miranda, the creator, director, and screenplay writer, could still find this, like, very specific, probably something that so few people could have possibly even have adjacent experiences to, like, relatable. Like, there's still moments where I'm like, why? Like, there's nothing about me in my experience that could possibly be applied to what is happening on the screen, Mm -hmm. yet I feel this, like, emotional and you feel that anxiety in that moment almost similar to like how in shiva baby the whole Mm -hmm. fucking time you're like just like losing it because you're like no something really bad is gonna happen every second of the movie but i think in this movie it's like less so the tension of that because like i feel like anyone has been in a situation where you're wait what did you just say you just you cut out really bad what movie move because my back is getting uncomfortable (laughs) The the constant fight it is for me to find a comfortable position to exist in, just to merely fucking exist in, horrible. Anyway, Same. um, no, but what what movie? I was talking about with? Shiva Baby, and like that sort of oh, constant yeah, yeah, dread yeah, and anxiety yeah. within a hyper specific social and mm-hmm. family scenario. It's similar, but it's like it's similar in that way and in the way that it kind of there's like that tension and the family drama going on. But I think it's dissimilar. In that, mm. um, in that, like, 
Well, yeah, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But like with Enchilla Baby, it's like everyone, basically every single person on this planet has been to a family function at some point, probably. You know, like been to a place where you where you've had to be around people who know you because you know they know your parents. But like these scenarios of like go (laughs) of heisting on tiny levels and like living in living in extreme poverty. Yeah, it's not. It's yeah. not Ocean's oh, Eight. It's for not sure. Ocean, it's not. Yeah. It's not the Da Vinci yeah. Code. It's not Now You See Me. It's not any of like these are, like, but that's also like, who has been to a casino in Monte Carlo mm-hmm. and robbed it? No one. Who has bought things from Target mm-hmm. that they've wanted to return or something? Like it's like, it's like so. It's so yeah. slightly true. Yeah. And, the way that. Like, very much, you know, more Americans are closer to being yeah. in to poverty being than they are to being you know? in wealth. Yeah, that this, like, it's very possible that a lot of people are very close to being yeah. in this economic situation yeah. in Los Angeles than they are to being yeah. in fucking Ocean's 8. In a way that, like, you would kind of have to figure out how to navigate your local target as an unemployed as a scammer well that's the thing like Like, something towards the end of the movie that really stuck out to me was how like the the specific hyper familiarity that our main character um the the lesbian with the long hair (laughs) like yes the specific ways that she I, I know she needs one, but she needs a shower bath. more. She needs a I bath need to give her first. <laughs> we can talk about that. We need to the talk about the hygiene. hygiene. The hygienic theme. Oh my god. The hygienic motifs yeah. of this film oh, for sure. need to be analyzed and discussed yeah, yeah. at a but, critical level. I think what was so funny was well, like they're they're at the they're at the grocery store at like this is towards like the second half of the movie, and Miss Gina Rodriguez. <laughs> <laughs> is at the mm-hmm. fucking grocery store with Oldolio and Oldolio is explaining to her the camera systems and the networks that the, gro- the grocery stores in the mm-hmm. area and it's like like people like she can recognize exactly. the model of the camera as it's mounted on the ceiling and be able to recognize yes. what system and it's like that's that because that she was raised by fucking scammers. She was raised by people who shoplifted to get by, and she was taught that from such a young age. Like she, this is all internal knowledge to her. It's like it's just like, just like the back of your hand. Well, I think that explains kind of the difference of. Um, between old Dolio and her parents is that with her parents, even though they've been this way her old Dolio's entire life, and at, towards the end it's admitted that she's 26, so at least for the past, like, 26 years they've mm-hmm. kind of been living this way, they obviously had a right. life before then, even if, like, the thing about the coupon yeah. book is a lie or something. This hasn't been their entire life, which is why they're able to be, like, yeah. be charming, and they don't have, like, they can be touched yeah. <laughs> in a way that Odolio can't whereas Odolio has been isolated from mm-hmm. society like obviously mm-hmm. she didn't go to school obviously she didn't grow up with siblings that like makes her uh, her only way of communicating is through mm-hmm. scams and like mm-hmm. that 
sort of things, which is why I think her relationship with Melanie is, like, so... And the way Melanie kind of mm-hmm. takes her under her wing and, like, breaks her out of that her, yeah. of her family. And it's like, you are addicted yeah. to your parents. Like, this is not yeah. healthy, normal people. Do not have this And Melanie, like, parents. mothers it's her so in this way that... It's like, it is... People always talk about... <laughs> in Letterboxd, are always talking about mommy issues in this movie, which I think is so funny. Because it's true in yeah. that... Oldolio only... the Like... Presumably, the only time she's ever spent away from her parents in any significant amount of time is when Melanie is like, we're getting you the fuck away from this situation. Because Melanie obviously has a very Mm -hmm. different relationship with her family. She's very close with her mother. They're always calling each other. And she lives Mm -hmm. a life that is like... she, She just lives like a normal fucking millennial life in her apartment that's like overly furnished because you know people love her and send her things and like she's just so normal that her encounter with this family she doesn't but at the same time she treats them with a level of compassion that is so like tender and i think is such a, and that's a word that is thrown around in describing this movie so often because it is a very like tender movie I think but like mm-hmm. also something you said about the charmingness mm-hmm. of like the parents and stuff is interesting to me because like the way that well I mean I, to be clear right, I, they're w- not I would good fight them instantly. yeah they're they do have yeah they're rage. fucked up but like no. they can exist but in public society they... in a normal sort of level and... yeah they can they have the ability to be charming in as yeah. a method of scamming in a way where old Dolia, like when she's like goes to the masseuses and she's just like pointing at different things that she's willing <laughs> to take for an exchange. She's yeah. so awkward and stoic and like has never had a single yeah. real normal conversation it's because every... in her life in the way that like yeah. the parents yeah. like, have. Every obviously. interaction for old Dolio even and especially with her parents has been a transaction everything everything Mm -hmm. that has ever been spoken Mm -hmm. aloud or thought has been directly tied to a transaction right so like it's just yeah it's it's, that is what rules her whole life and to a certain degree that's what rules everyone's life you know in order to like live but something that i think was really yeah yeah it's it's even more explicit in the way that she is so isolated like she is just herself and her family um and even though her parents are obviously Mm -hmm. she knows that she is missing something from them but it's like she knows nothing else um she's she's not familiar with any other type of life so what can she even really do and melanie is who provides that like moment of escape for her and even within that moment of escape old dolio is so desperate to go back to what she is familiar and comfortable with even though she was rebelling against it in that in that specific instance when she's begging her mom for tenderness just one one exhibition mm-hmm. of that but hold on the other thing i was going to say mm-hmm. before I went off multiple different tangents every every time i talk it's like yeah. a three paragraph essay coming out all at once in different spurts anyway <laughs> what i was going to say was that the parents mm-hmm. um the parents are able to pass as like normal quote-unquote like pass in quotes normal in quotes because of the way that like they're perceived as these like like melanie presumes when they first meet them on the plane she just thinks of she thinks oh are you guys professors because they have like that vibe of like old quirky white people right like and that's the thing they can get away with that Mm -hmm. because they're 
old and they're white and they're dressed in a way that just looks mm-hmm. very nondescript. So when you when they're walking, no, exactly like there's so many too. the way it's that like stark. class signifier and like race, age, gender, all these things play so deeply into the way that these people are perceived and how they are able to interact with the world is like it's profound almost seeing it on screen because even though there's and it's also how their struggles are obviously really harsh economically and on and on social levels like they're so incredibly stunted they're still able to navigate the world in this way that is Mm -hmm. so much more accessible to them than like like homeless people who live on the street by themselves you know what i mean like it's it's such a different mm-hmm. like we get a glimpse into such a niche element of like just getting by and it's it's like earth-shattering almost in its mundanity like the way that they're essentially criminality is Criminal. not racialized because of mm-hmm. their whiteness really stood out yeah. to me in a way that like obviously if like if this was a black family like i think the they could not get away with any of this shit. Hello? Yeah, like, if, if, like, if, if, you know, oops, race influences, like, everything. Like, if you say, like, oh, if this was a, you, you could say, oh, you could change the race of any character, and it would, like, fundamentally change it. But this family, like, you would not be able to make a black version yeah. You wouldn't be able to make... Movie. Like, yeah. you, like, you, you white, just... like that's a thing. People talk about race only when the characters or the movie itself seems racialized in an, uh, in an mm-hmm. othered sort of way. But race matters yeah. almost even more when it's about white people. Race matters. Like, because of... whiteness is a purveyor yeah, of its own. There's a level of, they're just, even even in the moments where they're not, actively yeah. criming in order to even enter those spaces like to enter the grocery store the to restaurant the target, to, to get onto the plane yeah you you have to already not be mm-hmm. clocked or surveilled in your just existing state in a way where if this was a black family or a a race that is just yeah. like automatically if, seen like, as like and that's the suspicious thing, like, poor or anything like that. The way that poor immigrants then have to get they by wouldn't, versus the way yeah. that this family gets by. Like the reason why yeah. it's, it's not so mundane, different. the reason why it is strange, the way that this family is specifically strange mm-hmm. is because the ways that they get by are it's not it's not like yeah. community based. You know what I mean? Like like poverty within other communities, yeah. like when like for me growing up we were surrounded by other poor chinese people all the time all, like who were all in the same exact financial and educational situations we were in and so like and so there mm-hmm. was always a sense of community there there was always people giving us fresh bread at, after church there was always people giving us their hand-me-downs and whatever well and it also breeds a sense of yeah culture it, it, like right. culture isn't just ethnic but also like by mm-hmm. class and community and i think what also adds to the strangeness of this movie is that there's not really a mm-hmm. particular culture it's like very much one yeah it's so atomized and you can't yeah you can't really say i mean obviously it's a reflection yeah. of like classism and right. <laughs> and capitalism yeah. and you know there, there are other big things but like it's not a reflection of like a particular yeah. culture like i don't think that you could complain and be like 
oh white cult like this is white culture or lower class white culture appropriate because it's just so specific but I think that really helps Miranda be able to be confident in the -hmm. storytelling of this movie because who is she gonna offend yeah who is she (laughs) no one is in like you cannot see yourself in these characters but in a way that is beneficial because then you do not have to worry about it being portrayed correctly because these people do not exist it's this is very fictional. strange. It's this deeply, is... deeply fictional. And I think the, yeah. that really mean and mm-hmm. wrong and bad um, letterbox review that was like, this is like a worse mm-hmm. version of Parasite. Which, okay, no. No, this is not a black comedy or... Oh my gosh, hold on. Can I? Can we re- Can we put that no, letterbox user on blast? I don't give yeah, a fuck because like, I hate the, it. That, that, I hate this that the review. Thing, this is, the thing about culture that I think is so different is that because Parasite is set, is set in Korea, in South Korea, in a big city, and there's a specific culture of people who live in basements in Korea and bunkers mm-hmm. that exist due to the war, like there is a specific culture of poverty that is exhibited despite the the wildness that is Parasite. Um, like despite all the crazy shit that goes down, there is something that is rooted in like a collective that is bound by like nationality, race, and culture. Whereas in this movie, like girl, like that is out the window. <laughs> like it's not obviously you can read into nationality and race and culture in in many specific ways throughout this but the the but the class reality Mm -hmm. the material reality that these people are existing in it's not like it doesn't predicate itself on these existing like sort of cultural social structures that are uni- that are almost universal for that class for that group of people these are just weird ass white people like they're just fucking they're weird they live weird lives and they, they navigate poverty so this is the yeah this is the review i'm gonna full first and last name matt lynch on yeah, letterbox okay. i disagree gave it a two-star review It is admittedly unfair of me, so some (laughs) self-awareness, to ask a specifically idiosyncratic filmmaker to stop making their movies. Yeah, exactly. That's the end of your review, and you should have given it a higher score. Period. But unfortunately, Matt continues. After all, and perhaps hypocritically in this case, oh, so more (laughs) self-awareness, I remain a fan of Wes Anderson. (laughs) Who the fuck is talking about Wes Anderson? Wes Anderson? Who the fuck is... This is such not a Wes Anderson movie in any type film. of way. It'd be like it'd be like watching Star Wars and being like, "This isn't like Yankos <laughs> who made like the favorite and like the lobster." Like, fuck, <laughs> obviously. Okay, whatever. I remain a fan of Wes Anderson. That said, the worst parts of this feels like an art student parody of Parasite. Yeah. Also wrong. I have a hard time accepting the sentiments here of fear of failure and denial of acceptance, which aren't yeah, the sentiments yeah. of the film, Acceptance? By the way. What? Okay. Partly because they're... I know. There's so many things wrong with this review. Partly because they're couched on this absurdly, annoyingly effective aesthetic, aesthetic. But mostly because That's they're That's Wes coming... Anderson, babe. <laughs> no. Like... There are so many things wrong. Mm-hmm. But this is the kicker. But mostly because they're coming from Miranda July. So you so literally you hate, hate women. Who seems like she's never done a quote-unquote normal Goddamn. thing. 
just like going to the grocery store or using an ATM ever in her life on what purpose. What do you mean? Which, how would way, you know? How could, how could she have written? How could she have written the check to cash scene and the grocery <laughs> store scene without yeah. having been to those places yeah. as a normal human and being? And she's the like, only person like, that, that on would this literally script. be like she's. The only person who wrote this shit. So what are you talking about, dude? Literally, what are you on? There's more. I guess all that I'm saying is you could have just made a simple movie. Which, by the way, who the fuck wants to watch a simple movie? Like, okay, boring. Like, go watch Paint Dry, fucking weirdo. But anyways, all I'm saying is you could have just made a simple movie about the parents of two con artists who are bad parents. That is the movie. It is a simple story about con artists, bad parents. Like... Yeah, like, the thing is, is that, like, if it was any simpler, it would simply yeah, have yeah. no plot. It's already meandering <laughs> like, like, this as is, is. Like, it's like, this is exactly as good as this story could be yeah. told with how microscopic yeah. it is. Because anything bigger than this would run into a lot more problems with what it's commentating on, what it's yeah. representing, who the characters are supposed to represent. In this, these characters do yeah. not go past who they are. These are 100% fictional mm-hmm. characters that are made to yeah. live in this story. And they are useful in this universe yeah. that she has created. Like, to ask anything more or less of it, it's just like, okay, so you didn't like, the, like, so you didn't either understand it or this isn't your yeah. movie and that's fine yeah. just watch something else i need to pee i'm so sorry <laughs> it's because i had to drink okay uh-huh well i do have i have a particular commentary you can go on, a rant on about? the movie but that's like completely okay. separate yeah but i want you to hear okay, it okay. so i'll wait for you to come back hi Hello. so what was your rant okay so, this is just my stickler. Uh, it's not stickler. Mm-hmm. I think it's valid. But it's, it has nothing to mm-hmm. do with the plot, necessarily. It has more to mm-hmm. do with the creative direction. The two black mm-hmm. women characters in the movie do possibly fall into mm-hmm. the mammy stereotype of caricatures of black women mm-hmm. in the movie. Uh, the first one being the masseuse, who... Attempts to give a massage to Old Topolio is not successful. Um, But that is also just like a moment of like a service worker who is a black woman who is taking care of like or attempting to take care of the emotional needs of Mm -hmm. the main white character who's presented as like this innocent white woman. when really what we're saying is, like, a black woman yeah. at her job. <laughs> like, just trying to do her job. Um, and essentially her... The position that she's in is just kind of maneuver to further um, how we perceive Waldolio. It's just kind of used to give information. Um, and then, of course, we see her at the end mm. as a waitress. And that's, like, <laughs> awkward. Um but then the other black woman character in the movie is the one who is the, like, mm-hmm. parent coach for expecting parents or whatever. And again, she's the only other character besides Melanie who we see, like, touch or attempt mm-hmm. to touch Dolio and take care of her emotional mm-hmm. needs. And I think it definitely, it, it's 
a much more like contemporary take like it's not you know a plantation mm-hmm. mammy mm-hmm. slave role like directly but i think they're like just, caretaker it, it, roles it's very akin to like caretaker role it's very akin to like the black women are always mm-hmm. the therapist mm-hmm. in shows which is like the new iteration of the mm-hmm. mammy caricature and so like when there are so few black mm-hmm. characters it's like you really didn't have to include mm-hmm. us <laughs> it's like it would have been perfectly fine like if this was going to be an all-white movie baby just make an all-white movie like the, like you do not have to sprinkle in black women just because you're just like oh my gosh i have too many white characters like girl it's a white movie you're a white woman mm-hmm. make your white movie like you're fine yeah um especially if like you're not going to give them yeah. names and yeah. they're just there to like yeah. do that like whatever i think you know that's just something that that's not me yeah. having beef with this movie it's in particular like these archetypes and characters in media yeah this is just something that like many directors mm-hmm. use as mm-hmm. keeping yeah. their back pocket I, I do where think... can i place at, like yeah. these it's, actors it's... so you know i'm not co- yeah. i'm not coming for miranda july i'm not trying to cancel her but that's just if you're watching and if you're are aware those archetypes do yeah. kind of present themselves in I the movie think it... but again very yeah. small it's, roles, i think it so. says a lot actually within the context of the movie that all of the people who are all women who attempt to connect with mm-hmm. old dolio on an emotional physical level are all like women of color they're all women who are not and like Mm -hmm. and i think that and they're all like younger basically like and i think that in direct contrast to her old white mother who has always been old and white in raising Mm -hmm. her like it like that contrast i think kind of also exhibits the way that oldolio is not is not able to accept or comprehend like like the the only the only white woman the only woman in her life the only mother that she knows right who's a white woman who happens to be one of the only two people who are in her life can't comprehend people who are like her as like caretakers as those who can comfort her and when even when her mother attempts to it's like that's kind of an epic fail and also because her mother is not her mother is not in in all the acts that we see of her mother um trying to like supposedly trying to be better for old dolio and trying to meet old dolio's needs they are directly contrasted by her other actions and by the other things that she does um and that is what makes her such a twisted evil fucked up character who we hate you know (laughs) It's just, I mean, I think it's also so, like, okay, when Odolio goes to the first, like, parenting thing, and and she learns about Mm -hmm. the birth crawl, which kind of, like, gets brought up a number of times. Everything in this movie, like, has thematic recurring elements, like, on every detail, which I think is so smart and cool. Anyway. Yeah. No, you can definitely tell the the level of intelligence yeah. that Miranda July has yeah very yes. large yes. big brain energy in this movie just the the creative ability in this and just like like and that's that is my beef with the one letter box reviews like this could have been a simple <laughs> movie or whatever 
Yeah. But she's not simple. Miranda July is yeah. a brilliant yeah. writer and director. And why would she do anything less than what is in her ability? And she she shows it. I think yeah. this movie is a flex. But what I was going to say is about the birth crawl is that, you know, it, like, really, like, like, just eats mm-hmm. at Odolio. And then she finally asks her mom, was I put in a cot or was mm-hmm. I put on your abdomen or chest? And then the mom was like, are you pregnant? And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, my God. And then finally admits that she's placed in a cot. And then that kind of, like, close Odolio's like, oh, mm-hmm. that's why I'm like this. But then also tells the audience, like, oh, yeah. that's why she's like this. Um, whether or not that's it's yeah. like scientific or not. That's just the language yeah. of the movie of how... Miranda chose to express that um it also shows this like like the emotional disconnect between old Dolio and her mother from pretty early in the movie that we just see kind of like mm-hmm. continue to get further and further emotionally apart and, and we start to see more not only evidence of the emotional ne- neglect that old Dolio has faced but how like it's not isolated to this, like, window of these characters' lives that we're seeing. Like, she has been emotionally neglected her mm-hmm. entire life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's, like, just so... Yeah. Something uh, about just media analysis in general, when you're talking about um, the director, like, doing the... <laughs> with these motifs and the way they come up again and stuff. I Something that I, I think frustrates mm-hmm. me as someone who consumes enjoys and criticizes media is when people are like oh my god you're reading too deeply into stuff um or like oh you or like not picking up on things is uh, versus picking up on things like i think that the thing about this movie and a lot of other movies is that even if you cannot specifically identify those specific motifs and details and recurring imagery and themes and stuff that come up again and again and that are on the screen like they still give you a feeling like it's still it it still makes you feel something even if you can't fully articulate it or detail or figure out the exact technique or details that the director is using and that's a sign of just absolute brilliance i think not being able to tell Mm -hmm. when the director is trying to make you feel something but knowing that you are and then having to think more deeply to understand the ways that they like connect like that's that i think is just genius um but another thing i was gonna yeah like whether or not we were making this podcast and recording Mm -hmm. this conversation we if we both watched this movie we would be talking about how fucking insane it is and how it made us feel like the intense like several times when because yeah. we watched film scene together i was like sunny I'm <laughs> we like, were I'm literally screaming this crying, scene. like shaking, i can't like <laughs> i cannot deal with it like i'm like my skin is actually yeah. crawling like yeah. over me like i cannot deal with watching this um one thing that i want to comment about just about like the like when you can tell that a director yeah. is making very specific choices the comedic timing of this fucking movie and how funny it feels wrong saying that this is a funny movie yeah, because it's not, not a all. comedy like yeah. you're going to laugh yeah. but you're going to be mad that the movie is making you laugh you're like this shouldn't be this yeah. fucking and it's like funny, laughter it out of is. discomfort and it's like you're so uncomfortable there's like, no other reaction you go from zero to a hundred yeah, 100. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. But it's it's the level of sincerity that mm-hmm. it's written in, mm-hmm. that it's acted out, that, like, the reactions of the characters around when Old Dolio or whoever is, like, making this joke mm-hmm. that should not be funny. It's, like... It's, like... And it's always after a scene that just, like, ripped your guts yeah. out. And then she's, like, trying to yeah. make you laugh about it. And you're, like, we're not friends. <laughs> we're not kikiing. Why am I laughing? Why are you trying to make me laugh right now? But it, she is successful. It is really funny. <laughs> it just fucking um, it plunges you into the depths of yeah. an emotional reaction. And then fucking pulls you out, like, throws ice mm. water onto you with something that is so utterly ridiculous and unbelievable. Um, and, yeah. oh my god, so, so wild. And I know Renaissance obviously very uncomfortable by it, really bothered them. For Personally, for me, I thought it was so, I, I honestly thought it was like... Wait, hmm? which scene? What? What, what, wait, what, what are you, what moment are you, are you talking about, or did you name the No, moment? I was just saying in general, your sort of reactions to those... Oh. To the way the tonal shifts and stuff and going on, like, it, your yeah. this discomfort and, like, how much it bothered you. I thought it was funny because for me, like, I, for me, it was just, like, honestly, like, refreshing because at Old Olio mm-hmm. as a character cannot, like, and also, you can she cannot put up with, with, like, genuine kind of, I don't know like sentimentality for so long like it it makes mm-hmm. her go crazy and we see her go crazy like mm-hmm. like she can't deal with it she 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 lives in the practical and the now because that's all she knows so when she's exposed to things that that push her outside of those boundaries it makes her fucking snap and also creates these scenarios that are so well and i feel like I've been in so many scenarios like that where <laughs> where something really dramatic will be going on, but I cannot handle it. And so then it becomes incredibly uncomfortable real fast for everyone around me. But for me, it's just funny mm-hmm. as hell. And like, <laughs> like, yeah, you've had some like really intense conversations with me and then you'll try and like fucking crack a joke. <laughs> and I'm like, Son, this yeah, no, I think. Like what? I think it's so. It it is a like this is the whole mommy issue thing where it's like it is a way of coping with (laughs) never being able to have like serious emotional conversations with your parents that don't devolve into dramatics, hysterics, or just a complete shutout. And also the behavior of these parents after Oldolio has is like like is like. I'm leaving, and, and, like, um, 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 why am I forgetting her name again? Miss Gina. Why do I keep forgetting her name? It starts with an M. Melanie, Melanie. Oh, I keep Melanie. on thinking Marissa or Melissa. You cannot remember her name <laughs> for the fucking why? life of you. Gun, I just told you her name, and gun to your head, I don't okay, think you can Melanie. repeat it right now. Melanie. <laughs> Melanie. <laughs> drags her ass out of the fucking office and is like you're coming home with me bitch and Odilio is like mm-hmm. oh she can't handle it but and then you know a couple days later her parents are drowning her in like gifts and affection which quickly turn like at, at the very end of the movie there's that the fucking shock of of walking out and realizing they just robbed 
Melanie, for, I got it this time, of everything that of she was worth. Mm -hmm. Every fucking thing. Like, and it, the way that, like, that's the... Literally, in the cabinets, bitch. And like, in the, <laughs> like the way cabinets. that, and, but this is the thing. I think it. Thinking about it now, the way that this director, Miss July, is able to whip us back and forth in these emotional, in these emotional reactions that are between hysterics and just melodrama, is it's all it like mirrors the way her, her old Dolio's behavior for sure and then her her parents behavior towards her that hot and cold like you never know what you're like as an audience member you have no clue what to expect next anything could happen it's so wild and it's 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 it feels purposeful and smartly mm -hmm. done instead of like directionless yeah. and, and, and it's because and yeah. unorganized it feels yeah and intelligent instead of just right. like throwing shit at the wall and, and like what it's 100 percent because it is a reflection of the way these characters behave and the only emotionally stable character here is melanie like because melanie has had a mm -hmm. semi compared to them very normal like life and relationship with her parents and her family she has a proper apartment yeah, with a proper she, has, she has a, a fucking apartment bed. like regard like even though it's very obvious that she is not yeah. wealthy by any means or has yeah. large sums of money the stability signifiers of actual like immaterial yeah. reality that Stable. is much more like uh -huh. needs some level of emotional need yeah. like having a bed yeah. and having a kitchen that and having a bathroom that is not fucking uh -huh. like office stalls that old no familiarity has, like, with never had and the way that we meet her like we know that like even if she could barely afford that new york plane ticket she wasn't scamming yeah. on that plane yeah. when she met them, yeah. like that family was. And she has, like, a so, regular-ass minimum wage like, job, like, at the mall, from what we know. Like, working at, like, an opticals. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. And, like, she's just a normal-ass girl. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. like that. And, like, when she gets... They say what yeah, it was. I don't, but I don't remember. I don't but like, remember. and that's the th when she gets roped in onto this heisting and conning, she's like, oh, this is a fun little adventure. No, girl. No, she gets drudged into the deep mess that is this family and the uh, the dysfunction of it all. And it is tra be sad, beautiful, tragic by Taylor Swift. Like, <laughs> we, can't. we can't go an episode without Taylor. Can't. Has you know, you know, she point. did. Oh my god. Uh, oh. Taylor, when I find Taylor Swift's letterbox account, that will be the Dude, fucking day. I need her to make a good that will be the, so bad. It's just she's watched, like, the letterbox, like, or she's watched, like, the favorite ten times in a single month. Like, every 24 oh, hours. God. And was like, yeah, I see I, you, bitch. Oh, my God. I, I want to see all, I want to see how but many I think, classic books that bitch has read. Because I know she had, she's read at least, like, five. There's no way she has not. Oh, a hundred. <laughs> anyway, what are you yeah. going to say? I think... No, I think, like, we, I, I could, you could pause mm -hmm. this movie at any frame, and I could talk about yeah. it for at least three hours about oh, the significance sure. and the creative choices that were made in, in, yeah. in it. I think this, this movie is just so... I get bad. why the lesbians... And that's kind of making me feel bad about my original... <laughs> 
It's making me feel bad about my original letterbox. I think it was just, it was mainly uh, like I was disturbed. so upset at how yeah. well she played yeah. me. Yeah. yeah. I was just like, why? I was like, I trusted you. I fell in love with this character and you made me feel a yeah. thousand emotions. And I don't like it. In a hundred yeah. minutes. Like, please. Please. Um, but I also like, this isn't like me and my fucking love for sappy ass like lesbian period dramas (laughs) like this is not right like i appreciate this movie i respect this movie it's not gonna be one of my favorite movies that i'm gonna rewatch every month like it's just it's not that for me because of like my personality there's nothing more that this movie could be or any other creative choice that miranda could have made to make this a better movie this is the perfect telling of the story and i think that also helps that like she wrote it like she wrote these characters and then she's also herself yes. was able to externalize Every and direct these yeah. actors in portraying these characters which makes it which i think also is what makes it like this mm-hmm. is the best movie mm-hmm. that it could yeah. possibly because there's not be. like and right. like i mean that like positively like, like I it think is in well some made movies, collaboration is really cool like the way the adaptation of like gone girl from what jillian flynn wrote mm-hmm. to how david fincher like directed it like that's cool in the way that those those works like meld yeah. together but in this movie the way that it is so the art the authorial intent is so direct clear and right in front of our face like brilliant and, and very like mm-hmm. there's no other way the story could have been told you know um oh and i think it also adds to the truth that these mm-hmm. are fictional characters because i think if it was a collab then someone else would have had to pull mm-hmm. on also mm-hmm. their experience and project yeah. that onto the characters. And then that ultimately makes them a reflection of real people uh-huh. who exist in the world or people that that director would know or something like that. But because these characters that are 100% fictional were written in one mind and uh-huh. then were directed it like within the same mind, it stopped like outside influences that could have... like made this movie problematic or something or or Mm -hmm. create more faults like it like eliminated that possibility of influence and I think that's what makes it also so strong and makes the characters feel so intimate. I totally get why the lesbians love this movie like every lesbian okay this is the thing my friend Rye oh 100% podcast listener twitter oomph um at slug underscore on underscore fire (laughs) (laughs) Rye I think we've mentioned yeah, Rye like we definitely on have. previous episodes. Anyway, they of were this the one well. who they saw this in like December of twenty twenty. They messaged me after they saw it and was like, Sonny, you need to fucking watch this movie. It's a lesbian heist movie. You're gonna love it. They're right. They're correct. They were mm-hmm. on the nose. Um and I get it. But mm-hmm. okay, one last thing that is coming out of my head right now, um, that I think is in back in term yeah. back in relation to when we were discussing like the side characters, like identities and stuff. Something that I think was so interesting about Melanie's character is the way that like she's obviously like sexualized for who she is, like what she looks like, her body, her like the fact that she's not white, like all these things really are integral to the way that other people treat her and how these other characters treat her from old daughter to her mom to her dad. And like, I think, I think the that three beat we're not even gonna oh talk my, about the that hot, hot tub, tub scene. scene i know if anyone if anyone God. has watched the movie i'm sure you're fucking mm-hmm. itching at your skin for us to talk about that hot tub <laughs> give me a week I can't maybe i'll that. bring it up like, next episode girl 
I just fucking the entire time I was asking Sunny, I was like, "What the fuck is happening? What, <laughs> what the is fuck is happening?" On? Like, like Jesus, I could not. The nonchalant, I can't even say nonchalantness of the scene, mm-hmm. the flippantness of mm-hmm. Melanie's reactions. Yeah, and it, it's what like, the fuck? <coughs> what the fuck? Um, check on my spit. Um, the three moments of which Melanie, like throughout. There's that scene at the beginning, at the beginning of the movie, in the middle, and at the end, right? At the beginning of the movie, she gets hit on by the guy, the, the guy on the plane, and <clears throat> that's a moment yeah. where she's like, where she, where, I, I guess, like, old Dolio's parents are, I don't know, playing, playing dumb or something, or they, or they genuinely didn't realize it, because they were like, what was that all about, like, mm. and she's like, you couldn't tell, like, he was mm-hmm. obviously hitting on me. Then, middle of... Mm-hmm. Well, because it, it, once again, they see yeah. everything as transactional. So they thought that he uh-huh. was a distraction yeah. to rob her. What are you... And she's like, yeah, no, he's exactly. just hitting on me. And in the middle of the movie, when mm-hmm. there's the fucking hot tub scene, she's like, oh, I see how it is. And she is so re- reacts to it in such like a methodical way like she understands how this is supposed to go but then at the very end of the movie what in that the final scene the kiss in the target return aisle oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah sobbing oh. crying shaking like it like i think it that arc mm-hmm. the, the, even within these three specific points Oh, it it exhibits so much I feel about like Melanie and her relationship like to the world and then to Old Dolio and her family because I mean it it gets more and more microscopic as we go because at the at the beginning in the in the plane it's how she interacts with strangers in the in the middle it's how she interacts with the fucking creepy old dad and at the end it's how she interacts with this person that she's built a really deep intimate connection to over the course of like 48 hours um because of the crazy shit they've just been through Mm -hmm. together um and like i don't know it's just so there's just like an intimacy to all of it that i it just made me it warmed my heart because the way that all these micro interactions throughout this movie and all the micro details and stuff are reflections of these greater systems at play as we are always talking about the way that melanie is like sexualized mm-hmm. and like and like deemed at inherently just like a sexual being just by the way that she looks versus the way that like the connection that she has with the old Dolio. oh my god it broke my heart like it was so oh. and i feel like this is earlier in the movie like maybe towards like the old Dolio, the manifest oh at like two-thirds of the movie when they were like sleeping in her room together i was like oh, this is the point at which they're going to, like, have a moment. Or even, or, like, even later on, I was like, this is where. But the fact that there's that tension there, but it doesn't, it it builds up to that last, like, very pure, lovely, like, perfect, perfect. Anyway, what were you going to say? I was just going to say the way that, like, gay panic (laughs) manifests for Odolio, I also think is... Because she's so, because she's so isolated, and obviously has never had crushes yeah. or any mm-hmm. romantic sexual interactions. Because the only people mm-hmm. that she's been with is her parents, and so like it has yeah. never crossed her mind probably that she has yeah. a sexuality. So like, not only is she dealing with 
how, like, her feelings for Melanie on, like, mm-hmm. multiple levels is, like, also, like, damn, mm-hmm. bitch, I'm gay, too. Like, <laughs> several, yeah. several points. But also, on top of that, she doesn't fucking know what oh, being no gay way. means. She doesn't know what homophobia yeah. or, like, like the actual implications yeah. of queerness is. Like, this is the first person that is not her parents that yeah. she's ever interacted with yeah. in, like, any significant yeah. or long-term way. So This it's is one like, of the only people who have ever so, touched her in her entire life. Like, what kind of, like, that is such yeah. a niche, specific experience of that. And that takes... What the fuck is making that noise? Okay, anyway, um, that takes that level, that 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 lesbian experience of loneliness, that lesbian experience of isolation that I feel like every lesbian has ever, has experienced uh-huh. at some point in their life. Like, it elevates it to this level that is uh-huh. almost comical in the way that it is inconceivable, and in that way exacerbates. We have a new femme We have icon, she is a new a lesbian activist, icon, legend, like everything. Mm-hmm. Do you know what is so gagatron <laughs> of this though? Is that Miranda July is yeah. married to a man yeah. and yeah. has a yeah. kid. Isn't that crazy? Because I looked yeah. her up instantly, obviously. And it's kind of like how. Like, I mean, I guess she's like. A woman, which uh-huh. is better. And I mean, but like, mm-hmm. has a husband. To to, to both yeah. of our knowledge currently, right now. Or at least while making this movie. And to me, I'm like, it's kinda like how, how do you do that? It's kind of what is that sort shocking of how, how do you know? Like how Taylor Jenkins know? Reed has, is married with to a man, has a husband and kids. Fascinating to me because mm-hmm. not only in The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo, which is, you know very blatantly sapphic in right our bible our yeah. bible um, of but season. in malibu rising her most re- recent release she also explores like lesbian identity and like queerness and womanhood in this way that i was like how do you know how would you know bitch mm-hmm. how do you like it, do you have a like do you have very knowledgeable yeah. gay friends do you have something that you need to tell the class? Hello, excuse me. Yeah. Miss Taylor. Yeah. Miss Taylor. Do you need, do you have something mm-hmm. that you would like to yeah. share with us? Hmm? Let me yeah, see that right. Google history. Open up oh, open up that Google history. Like like there is some times when when non queer people or when non lesbians, especially with like Taylor Jenkins Reid, the way that she presents Celia's mm-hmm. lesbianism the way that she writes a bisexual mm-hmm. character who understands yeah. lesbianism and why yeah. she is not a lesbian and can articulate yeah. that to the audience and and respect that and defend yeah. Celia's lesbianism as yeah. her bisexual wife. And then be yeah. married to a man? What how do yeah. you know? True. How do you know? How I let yeah. me get into yeah. your mind. Like, yeah. crack that skull open like a coconut. I need to For see sure. what is in there. Yeah. But anyways, I just, I, the, the, like I said, there's so many, like, I could talk about every <laughs> scene of this movie for hours. Um, but really, I hope you guys, I hope this is one of the things that we talk about where, like, we get a series of tweets from our listeners being like, gonna start watching <laughs> because I heard about it. Yeah. Oh, oops. 
on The Lavender Menace or something like that. Because I would love for you guys to watch this. Yes. Send your hot takes based on this movie if you do end up seeing it. Please. Please do. Because, like, I I think we've talked about it at at a good Mm -hmm. amount of detail. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, it's not really a movie that one could spoil. I mean, I guess the ending is kind of spoilery, but mm-hmm. it all makes sense that, like, mm-hmm. it, you, if we said it right now, you wouldn't understand right. why it was such a it's big It's a big deal because deal. of the, the um, story and the way you experience it in that moment. Like, it's... Yeah. Yeah. So, I... I Do you have any final thoughts? I don't have really many any final thoughts, but yes. I just really hope our I listeners hope engage. watch it and tell please us when do. they watch it. So, yeah, that's... Please, please, please blow up our email inbox about your thoughts on this movie. So yeah, that's yeah. the end of this section. Now we're going to move on to our regularly scheduled... Yes. Our recommendations. So... Uh, when, what do yeah, you what have do I to have recommend? recommend? That's a great question. <laughs> um, let's see. I feel like in order to maintain some sort of thematic <laughs> consistency, I'm trying to find... Oh, my God, wait. Oh, my recommendation? I have my recommendation, but it is not on... Uh, it's on theme because it's gay, mm. but that's, like, every week. Have we recommended anything that right. wasn't gay? Okay, actually, no, I have the perfect book to recommend for this. Um, actually, this movie... Okay. This movie Ooh, reminded me of so many books that I've read. In, in how weird it was, in the way that it explored mm-hmm. womanhood, queerness, and family in such an intimate way. Like, I feel like I've only been able to experience those, like, the way those themes are explored in books previously. Like, I've never been able to see, but so, like, this movie was, like, that was, like, whoa, crazy. You can really... Well, I thought this, I thought before we knew that Miranda was the screenplay writer, I mm-hmm. thought it was based off a book because the... The story logic mm-hmm. of the book, or this the the plot logic of mm-hmm. the movie feels like mm-hmm. it's a book. Yeah. Feels like things. Yeah, that exactly. Yeah, and I mean, I think Miranda July has published like a series of like short stories and stuff in the past, which makes a lot of sense. I feel because it also gives that yeah. like that writing style kind of gives me that energy. But the book that I would specifically recommend, I think maybe in relation to this, but also just generally, is the book. Pizza Girl by Jean Kyung Frazier um, because it is very similar in the way that it is a hyper-specific situation <laughs> that is so weird um, and deals with weird mm-hmm. parental relationships and also like another woman who is kind of runs into your life accidentally and who changes changes the course of it. So like in a lot of ways, you know what I mean? Like parallel. Um, so Pizza Girl is about... Mm-hmm. Did you talk about this book in your Asian American, uh, like not challenge, but like month? Maybe oh, read? like queer Asian books recommendations video. Yeah, I think so. Yes. I think I did talk about it then. I feel like I feel like I've I've I feel like I've heard you talk about that. Have you mentioned it in a yeah, video? Yeah, def- I've definitely talked before? about it in, in videos for sure. Um, 
Okay, then yeah, yeah. I've, I've, I've heard you talk. Everyone subscribe yes. to Sunny's YouTube channel. Yes. A Sunny yes, Book yes. Nook, right? Um, yeah. yeah, Pizza Girl is basically okay. about so, this 18-year-old pizza girl. Uh, and she is pregnant uh, by her high school boyfriend, sweetheart, who is this like puppy dog type guy. And she obviously worked at this like pizza place and her dad was an alcoholic. He died. Um, and so she's working through a lot of trauma in <laughs> regards to her fucking dead dad um and the relationship she did not have with him basically and her mother is a korean immigrant who is like both incredibly tender and invested in her daughter but also they just only really know how to connect with her so they have this like very weirdly strained relationship that isn't it's not cruel in any way but it is still so like removed and so basically this main character she gets really obsessed with this woman who regularly orders a specific type of pizza every every specific day at a, a specific time and the and this woman is like a mom of <laughs> a young boy and just a housewife like you're oh it's in la too so um it's just like a like she's just like an la mm. housewife and the our main character this 18 year old pregnant girl gets weirdly infatuated with this woman and becomes super obsessed with her in her life and it becomes like a way for her to cope with her alcoholism um like she's pregnant but she's an alcoholic and uh she's like struggling with like her addiction and her and she's like becoming more and more distanced from her boyfriend whom she lives with with her mother like it's a really weird scenario right um and like so yeah like mm -hmm. yeah I thought this book was very it was similarly like almost like removed in tone and also like bizarre in the way that it kind of plunges you into this emotional depth and realism and then yanks you out with absolute absurdity so I feel like that kind of gave me the similar mm -hmm. like vibes almost um and the way it's like the way that you deal with your parents shortcomings and or shortfalls wait what am I talking about shortcomings is, is that anyway it's 4 a.m <laughs> yeah yeah okay both, cool. both of those okay, okay, both yeah. of those work both okay, of those good. are, are um, phrases so yeah like how you f cope with that shit <laughs> while trying to just like live and like yeah and she, obviously she like went to high school in la and stuff so there's also that element of like she's working at this pizza shop everyone knows she's pregnant everyone knows her boyfriend everyone knows her and like they'll come into the store and be like and it's like that awkward like post-graduation like relationship mm -hmm. anyway there's so many like niche specific things within that book that i was like mm, same energy same energy levels and i think if you liked mm -hmm. one you'd like the other um yeah i feel like there's there's a long list yeah. of books that i feel like would really get a lot like listen i it makes so much sense to me that so many lesbians that i'm friends with on twitter love kajillionaire because the books that they love and a specific type of book that they all type they all tend to read thinking my year of rest and relaxation by tessa moshbag like that type of book like it's that's the sort of energy mm -hmm. that's the sort of bizarre hyper specific scenario yeah featuring mentally it's ill giving. women it's really giving it's that giving. you know so yeah anyway yeah. that's my recommendation pizza girl by jean kyung frazier sunny and their collection of deeply mentally ill lesbian <laughs> friends is just like, however many you think Sunny has, double it, triple it. That's how many they collect. They keep them True. on a little shelf. 
yeah. and tiny glass bottles and <laughs> and they set them up um no that's a very apropos recommendation mine is not mine is just a gay movie mm-hmm. that i've seen recently um it's the movie debs mm-hmm. have no. you ever seen it it's an acronym d-e-b-s it's a pretty popular it's from 2004 and it's directed by angela robinson who directed and wrote uh professor mm-hmm. marston in the wonder woman which i have also recommended and we mm-hmm. also have an episode on and this is i think her first movie based off of a short film that she made by the same title and it's about these like first year of college aged girls who get recruited into this secret government like cia Uh agency type thing like Mm -hmm. spy school based off of a uh secret test and the sat so like high schoolers across america take the sat and then if you yeah ace this like secret test that's in the sat then then you get recruited for this and they're called the devs and they have to they're supposed to like find and kill this one like internationally wanted Mm -hmm. assassin or whatever and they ambushed her they ambushed the assassin who's on this double date with another uh-huh. Russian assassin, like, in public. Mm-hmm. It's very it's very camp. It's very absurdist. It's very silly. It kind of is... Okay, let, let, me, let me just continue. So, anyways, when they crash the date, one of the Debs, who's doing, like, mm-hmm. a book report on this assassin that they're uh-huh. supposed to catch, they, like, meet up. And also another key detail is that no one who's ever fought the assassin mm-hmm. has lived, so no one has ever actually, like, met yeah. her and can, like, yeah. retell yeah, yeah, what yeah. it's like to be in her presence yeah. because she kills them all. And so they meet, and, like, it's instant sexual <laughs> tension, instant sexual chemistry oh radiating off the screen. Very enemies uh-huh. to lover, lesbian, hot sexiness uh-huh. um, that is happening. And... So it's, you know, they have their flirty-flirty, and then she, like, lives, mm-hmm. and, like, the assassin, like, develops this crush on, like, a deb, and it's very much like, you know, when criminals mm-hmm. and cops have, like, their buddy-buddy, yeah. uh-huh. you know, those kind of movies and stuff like that. It's very yeah. much in lieu of that chemistry, but gay and yeah. just very Actually, sexual. Actually, something I was thinking um, about that I didn't mention with Jillianaires, like, um, Melanie and um, Old Dolio yeah. have that, have a sort of, like, sunshine grump relationship almost like that kind of trope anyway yeah 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 yeah. Yeah. so that like that also comes into this and so basically it talks about like what do you do when like you're supposed to be essentially this cop who's like falling in love with the criminal and and also she has this like boyfriend who she's like Uh trying to break up with but like the boyfriend is like no Uh I'm not letting you break up with me so she doesn't know that she's gay and then like this is also like her functions of like her gay awakening um and like dealing with that but it's like it's so silly like this is not a coming out movie this is not anything too serious however the tone of this movie first of all it was made with five bucks and a prayer (laughs) like this movie is like Angela Robinson is talented. You can see that in Professor Marston and the Wonder Woman. When given the budget, she can do whatever the fuck she wants. Yeah. Limited budget. Scaled very down, this movie. Which, 
like adds to it. The there's nothing that's really explicitly right. sexual. Like, there's this one moment where we see people, like, in bed, and it's kind of, uh-huh. like, in this jokey way, but we don't actually, like, see any... And, like, I think the kiss... The kisses that we do see in between various characters aren't super mm-hmm. intense or adult. So it's, like... It could be... It uh, it has both the vibes of a mm-hmm. low-budget children's movie and the just... The beginning of a porno <laughs> that never gets to the porn part. Yeah, yeah. Like, it has both of those vibes simultaneously where I'm like, a child technically mm-hmm. could see this. Should they, would they like it? Could, should it? The question of yeah, could. Possibly, yeah, possibly. Right. A kid could see this movie. <laughs> should see this movie? Mm-hmm. Right. I, I couldn't answer. I couldn't say no, yeah. and I couldn't say yes. Because it is, it kind of has that, um, well, you didn't see it. I think I recommended it. But the oh, movie right, St. Right. Trinians, which I kind of talked about mm-hmm. with Ellie Eaton in that episode. Like, it kind of has, like, it feels almost like an American or, like, the closest you could get to an American uh-huh. St. Trinians. But oh, it yeah. has guns, of course, because, like, it's an American movie. And... Like, the gayness just feels more yeah. arts and crafts yeah, yeah, yeah. if you get it, <laughs> if you know what I'm saying. Right. But you don't see it, which is why I'm like, is this just me? Because I know what these yeah. scenes entail, and therefore... Yeah, coming to those conclusions. And, like, these are, like... Yeah, and, like, the director mm-hmm. is an adult lesbian woman who's, like, I know that about mm-hmm. her, and therefore I know this. So I, I just don't know. But the short film, if you see it, it's the exact same plot, same things. That, the, like, it's 11 minutes, and there is kind of, like, a kind of mm-hmm. sex scene in it. And that is yeah. much more explicitly yeah. sexual. And, like, a yeah. child should not yeah. see the short film version of this. But the movie? Is it a kid's movie? Is it not a kid's movie? I couldn't really tell you. I couldn't yeah. answer it. So, yeah, yeah, those are our recommendations. Anyways, so that's my for recommendation. Everybody today. This is another yeah. two hour. Yeah. This, is, episode. this is an episode. This is an episode. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. I hope you guys liked it, though. And please yes, watch Cajillionaire. Thoughts on our thoughts. Please. So, that yeah. about wraps it up for tonight. This morning, because it's 4 a.m. Um, please subscribe to our Patreon. Yep. Thank you so much to our current patrons. We appreciate and love you so much. The go to patreon.com slash love yes. menace, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh and follow us on Twitter at the Lavender mm-hmm. Pod. Email us your hot takes uh to the Lavender Menace podcast at gmail.com. And yeah. We'll see you in our next episode. Yes. Oh wait, you our our personal oh, Twitters yeah. follow. Where can they find, find you, YouTube, Sunny? Sunny Booknook on Twitter, Sunny Booknook Instagram, Sunny with a camera. Yes, and you can follow me on Instagram at Renaissance Marie and at Twitter at Renaissance First E is an X. I almost said First <laughs> X is an E. You do not spell Renaissance with an X unless it's my Twitter handle. Um, and of course, once again, our podcast Twitter at the Lavender Pod on Twitter. So, yeah, we will see you all Bye. next week.
Bye.